0: And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Now you know how to find us. You know where to find us. We are Pride of Detroit, bringing you everything you need to know about the Detroit Lions. Be a way of SB Nation. And they, the Detroit Lions are in the NFL, just in case you don't know. That's there. You can also find us on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. Find us on Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit. This is the Pride of Detroit P.O.D. cast, the Pride of Detroit podcast. That's what P.O.D. stands for. Where we're going to break down everything that happened, whether you want to or not. Lions are here. We're here. where we're scavenging on the remains. We're always here. And I am Chris Perfett, almost perfect. Your host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. P.E.R.F.E.T.T. See, it's almost perfect. Uh, I missed last week thanks very much to everyone who picked up my slack. I was out, uh, enjoying myself, enjoying life, enjoying life. Unlike apparently the lions, but, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes the, sometimes you're the bus and sometimes the bus gets you. Uh, if you're in Twitch chat right now, start dropping off your questions. We will have mailbag this segment. I mean, not this segment, this show Uh, We're going to talk Jeff Driscoll on the show. We're going to talk some Bo Scarborough. We're going to talk about kind of fallout from this loss to the Cowboys. Yeah, Lions lost. News at 11. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Matt Stafford injury. But first, I want to get in my crew here. As always, your fearless leader, your fearless leader, you owe fealty to him and probably mandatory service. I don't know. In his uh, honor guard marching across the wastelands of Michigan. That is Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Jeremy, buddy, how are we doing? I'm doing great,
1: actually. <laughs> All the pressure is off. We get to just have fun for the next month and a half and, uh, you know, kick our feet back up a little bit. No, mm-hmm. No more pressure, no more expectations. The Lions are three, six, and one, out. And,
0: and we can just, we can just kick, kick back and check, guys. Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag because, on one hand, I hate when we start talking about Lions football. It's like, yeah, the games themselves don't really matter because I still want to have fun on Sundays. I look at all my other friends who are like, you know, Eagles fans or Bears fans or Rams fans, and I'm just like, that, that must be a blessed life. Just be struggling to accept because those, those fan bases, at least. They haven't quite accepted their role that they are going down into the pit. So I I, I envy that. I envy that. On the other hand, it means more list casts. Be ready, Jeremy. It means more. Why you oh, lion? I know you like why you lion. Mm-hmm. Maybe some more fun shows uh, through the season. We've got some great guests coming up here in November as well. So I know for a lot of Lions fans, like I know how Detroit sports works. You want to tune out. Start thinking more about Michigan or the Pistons or the Red Wings. Keep it locked, man. We'll keep it fun for you and we'll tell you what's going to happen because this is a franchise looking at a very interesting future, I would say. Let's, but that's why we're locked on Lions, but listen to this podcast. Shout out Matt Derry. <laughs> t- I've never actually talked to Matt Derry. I really should. Uh, joining guy. us now in place of the rock god, John Whitaker. At Whitaker on Twitter, W-H-I-T-I-C-A-R. The Canuck Lion here with us by way of Canada. From the land of the BC Lions to the Detroit Lions, he is Double Lion. I think that's his nickname here. (laughs) Double Lion, John John Whitaker. John
2: Double Lion Whitaker. Yeah, it's been a disappointing year to be a Lions fan for BC (laughs) or Detroit.
0: I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw, I saw the cat, Tiger Cats are locked in for the Grey Cup. you know who's, who's from the West?
2: Uh, the Bombers oh, just beat the uh, Riders oh today.
0: Lord. What are we? Come on. I, I, was
1: pulling I, I for said the we Riders could take things like
2: back, boy, but... Uh, Cody but
1: not doing the CFL <laughs> is a little too relaxed. Right. Grey Cup, man. <laughs> <Okay>. Grey Cup. <laughs> Get out of I'm here. I'm sorry I want to
2: watch football. That matters.
1: <laughs> not, Jeremy would argue that Canadian football's football is not
0: football. matters to me. It's real <laughs> to me, damn it. Detroit Lions football is real to me, damn it. Yeah, real bad. <laughs> well, let's, since it is real, we can't avoid the result. Dallas 35, Detroit 27. Always let people know just in case they're waking up from a coma. Um, I think this was, is shot as surprising, Jeremy, the, the result a little bit, because the Lions were in it. And once again, the Lions streak of games where they lead at any point in the game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. happened again in this game. They they went up to a 7-0 lead early on. John, you have that stat. I, I know you've been Can can <laughs> you can you give that to me again about teams with winning records after they held hold lead early on? Uh, give me a minute to find it. So this was okay. from last week. I
2: don't believe it's updated. I tweeted about it. Uh, well, real quick, I'm going to take okay, a question so from here. Oh, yeah. So only only 3 teams have had a lead in every game this year. And so uh, at the time they listed the 49ers who were uh, undefeated, so I guess they're eight and, uh, did they win today? No, sorry, they're nine and one. Uh, they the won Chiefs, today. Uh, did the Chiefs win today? So they, they were, played, they were they six on and Monday. four. Okay. And then there's the Lions, who are three, six, and one. <laughs> so, one of these things is not like the other things, and that is competing for a playoff spot.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I I think, Chris, you're, you're right in that it was a little bit surprising that the Lions hung around as long as they did. I think a lot of people expected a two score loss. And, and while the Lions were down for two scores for the majority of the second half, I would say they did. Th- there were some positives to take from the game. I think the offense performed a lot better than we expected it to. You know, a week after the Lions go to Chicago and, and put up, what, 10 points against a, a good Bears defense, they go up and put 27 up on the on the uh what team am i talking about where am i Cowboys. right now why did i just lose my memory of everything uh yes the Dallas Cowboys wow. thank you uh, and so uh, you can say I, I would say if there's one person that comes out of this entire game looking like they're maybe get the lines are maybe getting more than what they're paying for it's probably their offensive coordinator right it's probably Daryl Bevel the fact that he made a pretty solid offensive game plan with a brand new quarterback, a guy who only has five or six starts to his name a guy who basically was added to the team at the beginning of the year after training camp, after all that. And the lines put together a solid offensive game plan. They, they ran the ball. Well, they, they, they threw the ball fortunately at, I, at times and they put up 27 points. They were, they were, they were scoring and driving. And, and when it seemed like the game was lost, they got the offense, got them back into this game. So I mean, I, while I think you can still have complaints about Daryl Bevel's situational play calling, like his two point play wasn't very good. And and sometimes some third down calls were a little iffy, although the third and five draw was kind of surprising in that it worked. Um, I think overall, I'm very happy with the job Daryl Bevel is doing. And today was a a great example of him kind of flexing his, his muscle.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there with you. I, I can't be because like you bring up the situational plays and that's such a big thing. And like, just two weeks ago, we were burying this guy for that situational play in the Raiders game. Sure. So like, I mean, I, I I give a credit, like, yeah, he's definitely one way or another, Jeff Driscoll, Bo Scarborough are getting coached up to be game time players in positions that I think where they're outperforming their level of talent that is inherent to them. But at the same time, yeah, but like that, that is important. That is important. But I'm just saying like, we're still, I'm not saying Jeff Driscoll, I mean, I'm not saying that Daryl Bevel is a bad offensive coordinator. I'm saying it's a mixed bag, and I'm not ready to give him all the praise for this. I think a lot of people, especially on the offense today, really performed at a very high level, and we're going to talk about Jeff Driscoll next segment. Uh, Should we maybe give a a little time here to to Bo Scarborough, who I know, like, I I don't know. I I feel awkward that we're talking about Bo because... He had he only had 55 yards at the end of the day, and that turned into like what was it, 3.9 average. Jeff Driscoll had a better average on the grounds, and carried it like eight times. So it's not like he just had one scamper or something. But and Bo had a touchdown, which again, I'd, how longs it been since we've had a running back get us a touch get the Lions a touchdown? The Lions, well, Jeremy. the
1: Lions went into this game with two rushing touchdowns on the season.
0: Yeah, so he's already done yeah. an extra 50. He's risen it by 50 yep. percent.
1: Yes, and and then Driscoll okay. added his own. So yeah, two today. But but really, really quick on on uh, on Daryl Bevel. The, if the defense wasn't complete ass, you wouldn't have to call a perfect game every single that's week. True.
0: Yeah, like that's that's <laughs> always something too. Is like it it is this offense has to perform at the level it's at because there's just no help coming from the defense. And we're gonna get into the defense in two minutes. But but yeah, back again, to Scarborough. I mean, yeah,
1: Scarborough, uh yeah, I think that came out of nowhere. This is a guy they picked up just a, not too long ago. They they this was his first career NFL game and he ran with power. He ran with with determination and 3.9 per carry. So carries. much
0: determination though.
1: <laughs> ran with, I I mean, the 3.9 per carry I think is is misleading. I think he was much better than that. He was Breaking every single tackle, first tackle attempt, I should say, um, a, a five-yard touchdown run is unheard of in Detroit. So that, I mean, that's essentially an eighty-nine-yard touchdown run in Detroit. A five-yard touchdown run. The fact that this team performed in the red zone this week, I think, ha- has a lot to do with him and the fact that um, also also a little bit with Driscoll and, and his ability to run. Obviously, his read option run w- was a great red zone play, but. This this is what happens when you have a rushing attack. Is you can score in the red zone, you can convert touchdowns and not kick field goals. And the Lions didn't kick a single field goal today because they converted every red zone opportunity and do a touchdown. And Bo Scarborough has a is a big reason for that. And uh, I don't know how much it'll last. You always you're always worried that when a guy has such a good debut that now that there's tape on him, he won't be as an, as effective down the road. So I'm not ready to say like Bo Scarborough. The Lions... Running back two behind Carryon Johnson in 2020 for sure. Let's pump the brakes on that. But this was a very good debut for him and, and very promising, I think, for the Lions rushing attack. Maybe in the in the next final six. Yeah, weeks. you
0: you hit on it. Like I'm not ready to crest Christ in the sky, the savior to the Detroit Lions rushing woes. Like it's it's one game. And I've already seen some people give him like, he had a good game. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I'm not sitting here like saying, yeah, he should be like starting every game from here on out. I'm not, I'm, I know we're desperate. The Lions are desperate at running back, but I can't, I can't be there yet. It's, it's a good game for him. And I want to appreciate that for what it is. It was a good start for him. It's a good story. Guys like this bounce around the league so many times, just looking for that one snap, that one chance. And he played, out of his mind for that one chance he got. Where he goes from there, if he's able to sustain it, I can't say. I don't think anyone can say right now. Guys what on a bubble like so, this, yeah. What I'm
2: more concerned about is the fact that ever since on Johnson went out with injury, the Lions have been having basically a, a carousel and running back. And we saw this with uh, Trey Carson as well. And I'm just kind of skeptical that this is sort of a production. He can continue throughout the rest of the season. And uh, Kent and I, we talked about this during last week's podcast when we talked about the fact that we acquired uh, Scarborough is that he is quite injury prone. He's had a lot of injuries over this past uh, career at Alabama and even in the NFL, too. So the question is whether or not he can even, you know, continue this output over the course of the season, let alone going into next year, because obviously there's still offseason and draft like it's so hard to, fo- uh, to forecast some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, like it's uh, to the point. I was gonna say, like, I don't want to extrapolate anything out of this. It, he had a good game. That's it. That's all you should be talking about today. If anyone's saying to you that he needs to be the starting running back, if they need to keep them in him, uh, Bo, in 2020, no, there's no book to be written here yet. It's a matter of if he has convinced the coaching staff if he should get more touches, and if so, great. Let's see what he does with those touches. But we 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 do we do this so many times, Jeremy, John. But like we do this so many times, one guy one guy comes out of the blue because the running back situation is so bad, has one good game, and we sit there like ready to christen him, and it never works. Loud never and works clear. It.
1: Bo Scarborough is the next Zack Center.
0: Gotcha. Ew. No, I would not do him dirty like that. I oh, also, that was a uh,
1: That's exactly the, the Zach Zenner syndrome, though, right? Like It the is. No, you're absolutely right, it is. The position a, gets so desperate with injuries and bad <laughs> performance that they fall back on their fourth string guy. He has a good string of performances, and everyone says, oh, he's the kid? next starter. Who was the guy from Benner Michigan that
0: everyone was falling in love with last year, too, Jeremy? Uh, there was like uh, some... Someone uh, on that back again? Chart. There was like, I, I, I think him. he was from Michigan or Michigan State last year. There was someone who was like the third or fourth string that people were falling in love with. Um,
2: Tion Green, are you thinking of? Tion Green, yes. Oh, yeah, Green. I was no, thinking he's of from Cincinnati.
0: Cincinnati. I don't know why I was yep. thinking he was from Michigan then. I, hmm. People stumped stump from him like he was play, he played at Michigan. <laughs> the
2: you funny know? thing is that a lot of the Zach Zenner hype kind of originated in a game against the Cowboys, which I think yeah. he outrushed Ezekiel Elliott. So, in the first half, so, he did. here, here <laughs> I we remember go. That. Yeah. Lions Again. Cowboys.
0: We're going to call this the Lions Cowboys running back syndrome. It's a very <laughs> specific syndrome. There's yeah. no cure, and uh, you will probably die.
2: Yeah, but as Jeremy said, I think it's worthy of praise, but that's about it. Yes. Yeah, no, that's all I'm saying. We'll, we'll see like, what happens. You know, if he looks game. good over the rest of the season, that's great. You know, you bring full him game, in bro. next year, you know, because the other thing is, um on Johnson himself has also had a significant injury history so you know if you can split carries you know obviously scarborough is a big guy so get some power there with carry on's lucidness and you know could be a good deal but at this point it's just really speculative that's it
0: yeah now i want to move on to the defense here for like a brief like five six seven minutes or so because it's getting really bad but i think we all knew that by now news at 11 uh you the lions held ezekiel elliott to 45 yards today that's not as impressive as if i had said that back in like 2018 i would i feel like Mm. but you gave up 400 some yards to dak prescott through the air and uh this is a problem this this really is Mm -hmm. a problem um I I don't uh, J- Jeremy what what did you see cuz like I don't even know where to start on this and anytime I even see that old relic Jason Witten getting even 33 yards <laughs> I start to black out I'm amazed
2: he can run that far
0: It's I mean it's really the same story we've seen all year. I
1: mean, I talked about it on first bite. Ryan was really worried about the the Cowboys' running attack, and I'm just like, no, I'm worried about Dak Prescott. I He's mean, have good you seen? Year? He's
0: been very good this year. Not, I mean,
1: it's not even about him at this point. Mitchell yeah. Trubisky threw three touchdowns against his passing defense last week. How was yeah, this, this a surprise? This I mean, look at the passer for, ratings for quarterbacks. Look at the passer ratings of the last five quarterbacks that have played the Lions, Vikings. It's all above 100. 141. Giants one hundred and twenty four, Raiders one hundred and sixteen, Bears one hundred and thirty one, for Mitch. And then Dak Prescott today was what one.
2: And like out of all of those, like they're like I think Prescott is probably one of the better out of that bunch. But they're not like world beaters. It's right. not like they're giving that up to the Tom Brady's or the Aaron Rodgers of the league.
1: And and to me, like it's the answer is very simple. I still have a little bit of belief in the secondary. I have no. Belief in their pass rush. The Lions have no yep. belief in their pass rush too, either, because they actually started sending blitzes a little bit in this game, and even that didn't work sometimes. Um, they they still do have a stubbornness of, of rushing three and on, on third and long sometimes, and and you're just expecting your defensive backs to to cover for six, seven, eight seconds, and they just can't. No one can. And when you have a, a, a receiving core as good as Dallas's, the writing was on the wall before this game even began. I, I said specifically, the only way the Lions win this game is if Rashawn Melvin and Justin Coleman play their freaking hearts out. And they have, and they didn't. I mean, I, I don't blame them. I don't think they were horrible in this game. But like I said, they, they just had to cover forever. And the only guy that's really capable of doing that is Darius Slay, who had a pretty good game. You know, obviously I think a lot of people are going to focus on the two interceptions. He didn't get on that last kind of game ceiling drive from Dallas, but he was at least was on his guy. He was at least in position to make plays and made a few plays. And you look at the guy he was covering one of the best receivers in, in the league, Amari Cooper. He had three catches for 38 yards. So Darius Slade did his job. It was always going to be on these backup, these depth guys to do their job, cover these Cowboys receivers and they didn't do it. And, and, that's no surprise because that's what's been happening for the, the last month and a half now.
0: Yeah. Two, two Dallas receivers with over a hundred yards receiving in this game. Uh, the averages all in double digits for all, for all these guys. Like it's, it's, it's bad. And I don't know what else to say at this point. The, as you said, Jeremy, this insistence that a pass rush isn't a thing is so mind boggling stupid, but I don't, at the same time, I'm exhausted because we see this each week and it's clear this coaching staff has no impetus to change its tactics. This is what they've decided the Lions are going to be in 2019. It's what they decide the Lions are going to be and nothing we say out here or nothing anyone can, can point out to them from the outside is going to change that. We can ask them all the time in these press conferences, hey, you know, what are you going to do to fix the, the, the pass rush? What are you going to do to fix the defense? And they're just going to be, no, everything's fine. Everything's going according to plan. And it's frustrating, but thankfully there's not that many games left of this. And I think it's fair to ask what's going to happen in the off season. I see some people in Twitch chat, and I think we've got some questions suggesting, you know, Paul Pasqualoni might become a scapegoat for this. But I mean, any defense here in Detroit, it is Pete fans are going to look all the way up to Matt Patricia. I don't know how culpable he is on that, but when your reputation is defensive guru, and you are giving and you are letting quarterbacks throw at that clip at that clip it's you're you're going to get some flack that is the reality of it you can if you are branded a certain way and suddenly you if you if you don't sell if you if you come out tomorrow and you tell people like hey i'm really great at poker and then you go out there and you get cleaned out every night yeah people are going to think you're kind of full of it that's that's what happens when you brand you have to live up to your branding at some point and I know he's done some good stuff with the pass rush. I mean, with, sorry, excuse me, uh, with stopping the run. But as we were talking about before the show, this is 2019. Stopping the run is great. It's fantastic. It takes away a whole element of the game. Uh, quarterbacks are throwing more than ever. The game's evolved. Like, some some teams barely even need to run the ball. Not having, not having a plan to attack the passer is just mind-boggling. It's something I'm going to talk about in the offseason a lot, because if your team does not have someone who makes the quarterback look over his shoulder on every play, you're just not a functional, uh, you're just not going to be an elite defense in the NFL period. I, you can I, argue, I you wanna, can argue with it, but I, I that's, I'm going to cling to it. I, and, and no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I
1: don't want to make this a complete excuse for Matt Patricia, but I do feel like a lot of the things, and he even kind of, mentioned it last week during one of his press conferences. A lot of the things I think Matt Patricia wanted to do with this defense, he can't do because of health. Because they haven't had Mike Daniels for for the majority of the year. Because Romeo Quar is currently out. and Literally the only healthy defensive end on the roster right now is Trey Flowers. And, oh, guess what? he got concussed in this game. So who the hell knows what that's going to look like going forward. And Trey Flowers wasn't even healthy for the first month of the season because he had that shoulder surgery in the offseason. I mean, I can go on and on, but literally every single person on this defensive line has gone through a pretty significant injury. And so, you know, we, we, we talk about Matt Patricia and, and talking about all this multiplicity and all these guys that can play multiple positions. Well, when Deshaun Hand is one of those multiple parts and he's played two games this season, when you know, Romeo Aquara or or Trey Flowers is missing a game every other week when Mike Daniels or or you know Damon Harrison, even Sean Robinson, all these guys are going through injuries and, and they they were all key pieces that that fit this puzzle in the offseason where we're just like, this could be magical. And I'm sure Matt Patricia was thinking the same thing. But these guys are either playing injured or not even playing at all. And so the lines have gone through depth after depth, Kevin Strong was was around for a couple of weeks, and now he's on the IR. It's, it's It's been a really unfortunate situation. Now, a good coach, it shouldn't matter. A good coach can get your your depth guys to play just as well. But I think everyone's plan, everyone's scheme, when you looked at the strength of this off defense in the offseason, you thought
0: pass rush was going to be better. A big reason why it isn't is because of injury. Alright, we need to leave it there. We're kind of over time, so I mean the nice thing about the Detroit Lions defense is that we're always going to keep coming back to this well for the rest of the season for good or for ill. Like this is going to remain a story because this was the, this was supposed to be the future. And it's, it's frustrating because again, we're going to talk about Jeff Driscoll coming up here. And I think that's more illustrative than anything. Like you get Jeff Driscoll to give you a hundred and nine passer rating in a football game. Like, and, and you know, 27 points you better find a way to make it work and it didn't but we we want i want to focus on driscoll and there's been a story being made here about what happened at ford field and it's appropriate because people say this is the detroit lions fan you know fan this is fan journalism or fan whatever for the fans by the fans uh so it's appropriate we talk about a story about the fans or lack thereof at ford field and that's coming up next we are taking a break here on the Pride of Detroit PODcast Twitch chat. Do not go anywhere. We have something fun for you uh, during the break. And when we come back, Jeff Driscoll, Ford Field, more questions, comments, get it in with the hashtag ask POD. We'll be right back. PODcast. And we are back on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you download your favorite podcasts, you can find us there. Just look for Pride of Detroit, SB Nation. I think it's like four Lions fans. The name, the name that SB Nation gave us on there is kind of garbage. <laughs> they, they're, they're the ones that handle all the RSS stuff, and I, can, I feel like I can call out. Uh, I can call them out as long as I don't say the name of the person who posts all this up. Uh, John Giraro. So. <laughs> Bleep it. Anyway, no. He's the one. Uh, I need to actually send him a new promo. But uh, that, that's, that's the weird thing. Do you guys, I, I want to know from Twitch chat, have you heard our PODcast promo? Because we recorded one way back. Um, and it's the best thing ever. It, it is one of the best things ever. It was so good that John actually turned around and said, thank you. I hate this so much, but I think that's <laughs> the point
2: not me john by the way what not me john no no this
0: is is a different john i already mentioned uh his last name anyway let's get into it uh so we talked a little bit about scarborough and this game there was another name coming up and it's the second week we're talking about him now is the old adage jeremy about hey the backup in town is everyone's favorite person but in this case i feel like This is interesting and I'll get into it in a second, but I want to set the table. Jeff Driscoll uh, had himself another decent game over a hundred passer rating, 109, uh, 200 yards over 200 yards, two touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Uh, given the struggles, this offensive line in the run game, I find that even more impressive. We talked about a little bit, Daryl Bevel coaching, getting him up ready for game time. Uh, let me lay some backstory, though, because when I heard Jeff Driscoll was starting, and I think I mentioned this to you as well, Jeremy. My memories of Jeff Driscoll are with him at Florida, the University of Florida. Now, Will Muschamp was there as a coach. If you know anything about Will Muschamp, his time at Florida, not the greatest. Not the greatest in any stretch of the imagination. I get it, you're coming down from Urban Meyer, but still, very bad there. But Jeff Driscoll was their quarterback. And for the most part, there was two words in my mind when you asked me to think about Jeff Driscoll as a quarterback and what he did for the Florida offense. And those two words are C-anchor. Jeff Driscoll was not good in college. So when I heard he was the backup, I had this reputation of him. I'm like, okay, whatever. As long as you don't go to them, we're fine. Through two games now, he has put up an impressive number of yards for a backup, we have to keep... I'm going to keep qualifying this as for a backup because I think this is going to go to a point I want to make later, too. Uh, he has gotten, I believe, a 57.7% completion percentage. Good for a backup. And I believe that... What was his completion percentage in this game, Jeremy? Uh, 15 for 26. So I think that matches up nicely there. Uh, yeah, touchdowns, very good. He's He's done everything you have asked of him especially when last week he didn't even know he was going to start until the 11th hour. This week, after after a week of preparation, after knowing he's going to be filling in for Matt Stafford, he's doing very well out there. And it's not one receiver carrying him. Once again, this ball is being spread around. Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones had similar stats on the day. JD McKissick was getting in on the receiving as well. Uh, one pass out to Kenny Galladay that went deep. Marvin Hall got his requisite. Uh, over 35 yards, pass once a game, always gets one every game, man. And Jeff Driscoll, though, has been the surprise. He has been the surprise because I think people, to, to go to an old quote from Tom and Moore, and this is why I call it a surprise. Tom Moore, famously backup for Peyton Manning, never took a lot of snaps uh, during training camp. And one person asked him one time, why, why are you not pra- You should be practicing more. What if something happens to Peyton Manning? Like, you know, why do backup quarterbacks not get a lot of playing time? And Tom Moore said it straight up. He said, listen, if if Peyton Manning goes down, this team is fucked. And we don't practice fucked. And I feel like for the Detroit Lions, they adhere to that philosophy as well. If number nine goes down, that's fucked. And you should not practice fucked. Jeff Driscoll, though, is playing fucked. And he's playing through fucked. And I'm sorry if you're in the, the – uh, I'll put an explicit warning on this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've been dropping so many f bombs, and I really should be keeping it clean. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's my point. That's my point is that Jeff Driscoll, in a situation where a lot of teams should just pack it in and have invested nothing in the backup, he is playing better than any backup I have seen in Detroit for a very long time. And I think that's even better than Dan Orlovsky. Better than Tom Savage. Better than Jake Rudock. Jeremy, don't give me that face. Better than Jake Rudock? No, I'm... He's not Be- better than Sean Hill. I should hate that- you. I really should. No, he, but, he I mean, isn't. You've got and a point, got a point you- there, but like... But That's I'm, up but for that, debate. The point is, before you start to derail me completely <laughs> from where I am going with that, is that Jeff Driscoll... Yeah. He's playing above and beyond expectations. However, I want to temper this in saying that I don't want anyone talking about him as a starter still because he's playing two games with n- very little tape on him. And as we've seen for a lot of quarterbacks in this league, as soon as teams have tape on you, man, it kind of gets quiet. You have to adapt or die real quick. Jeff Driscoll has not been asked yet to adapt or die. But for right now, it's fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch and it's fun to believe that you might have a competent backup in Detroit. But Jeremy, go on ahead because apparently I stepped on the Sean Hill landmine.
1: No, well, no. And it's not, It's not. that's not the point I really want to make. And <laughs> and to, to, to your very, very last point, that the, the Driscoll is fun to watch. I will agree with that. I think last week you probably heard us very concerned about the last six weeks of the season and saying, you know, this team, Matthew Stafford was one reason this team was fun to watch. And with that gone, we're going to be in for a hell of a ride in the final two months of the season. Jeff Driscoll showed me enough in two two games where it's like okay these games aren't going to be a complete bore he's a, he's an interesting player he brings a different dynamic to this offense than we've seen in a decade um so that's worth watching that's worth sticking around a little bit for me because well I'm also obligated to watch every single game I have to yep. but it'll get me kind of entertained and, and and interested around I'm not quite as complimentary about his play I think he's still very raw I think he's still making a lot of mistakes out there me- the thing is that they're mostly mental mistakes and right. And with that, I mean the guy has about seven starts under his belt now, so he's still kind of learning everything. No no great quarterback comes out in the first seven starts and just starts lighting the world on fire. There there's a learning curve there. And I think he will learn, you know, there was a, a play where he had at least seven or eight yards of, of field in front of him and he's at the line of scrimmage. And instead of rushing for those easy seven, eight yards, he throws it into the he throws it, you know, three feet in front of the receiver into the dirt um those are the kind of mistakes you'll see but there are also a lot of lulls in this line's offense where it's just like you know stafford would have made a play there you know he would have gone deep there you know he the the the, the deep ball doesn't seem like it's quite there yet it's getting there and i want to show something to our twitch chat that uh sorry podcast listeners you aren't going to be able to see but not a visual medium watch our watch our podcast live and and maybe you can um it's his past chart from week one from last week to this week that, that monster put together nicely. So this first week, a lot of throws at the line of scrimmage. I would say about half of his completions are within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage this week. He's going downhill all the time. There's still a lot of completions within the first 10 yards here, but you can see he's taking more deep shots. He's taking bigger chunks. And you know, there was a deep ball to, to Marvin Jones. I think, the touchdown to Marvin Jones with the deep ball. And then there's obviously the Marvin Hall play. um, That was a very nicely thrown ball. Um, That's the one thing that Jeff Driscoll is nice. The transformation from him to Matthew Stafford is that he's got an arm. He's finally the lines backup that has an arm that can kind of keep that deep ball, at least in the conversation, um, which is nice but he's still getting comfortable. He's still making a lot of mental mistakes. His accuracy is here, here and there. The one thing I worry about is that with his mobilities, he's not quite using it to his full capabilities. Not only is he not you know, you know, running the ball in every opportunity, which I think he should, but I think he gets a little tunnel visioned when he's out of the pocket where he's just looking at one guy and not necessarily seeing the other guy that's breaking open. Again, and all these things probably come with more time. Right, and, and, and that's more also...
0: That's also the same things that got him into trouble in Florida. That's why I'm mm-hmm. worried as teams get more tape on Jeff Driscoll, uh, the advantage will start to disappear, and he'll start stop posting 100, 100, uh, over 100 passer ratings. He's also had two pretty good teams to feast on, both the Bears' defense and well, the Cowboys' defense. No, Bears' defense some, is no easy task. I they thought had a bad game. I, I thought they had a bad game. They they're did not, not play well they're, that game. But they're good. They're, they're good. They're good, but I just did not think they played well against Detroit. Something Detroit was doing mm-hmm. just baffled them. So, I mean, maybe and, part and, of that's Driscoll. I don't know. Another thing really quick
1: about Driscoll today against the Cowboys is, is that his offensive line did not do him any favors in this game. And so he made a couple plays with his feet. I thought his, touchdown, his first touchdown pass to Marvin Jones, the 17-yarder the or so, where he escaped the pocket to his right, nailed a, a perfect pass to Marvin Jones in stride in the end zone. That, to me, was the best play he made all game. Probably the best play he's made as a Lions player and and gives me a lot of hope because that's a, a, a play that Matthew Stafford couldn't make in the first two or three years of his career. He was not that good at maneuvering in the pocket and finding that open space to create that extra second or two to find someone open. And Driscoll did that perfectly in his second start for the Lions. So that,
0: to me, was the most promising, most exciting play that he made all day. Alright, I want to move on from Jeff Driscoll then. I think we've given his him his ten minutes. Bravo. Uh, hope we see it go places. Yes, John. <laughs> bravo. Uh, I want to talk about the other story out of Ford Field today. And this one is kind of off the field, but in the bleachers. That's not even right. They don't have bleachers anymore. Who who has bleachers still? That's Michigan? not a thing. Well, I mean, that's the big house, it's old. No one no one Look at those stats at the bottom, Michigan baby. No. <laughs> so, it became a bit of a story that during this game, Ford Field filled up with Cowboys fans. Uh, they got defense chants rolling, they kind of pushed the Lions contingent out of the building as the score kind of got out of hand for the Detroit Lions, and ultimately it sounded like a home crowd for Dallas. This is not surprising for several reasons. The first is that, you should not be surprised because Dallas is a national fan base. It is The Cowboys fans are everywhere. If you don't know this by now, I'm sorry. You're either new to football or you've been living under a rock. Dallas fans not only travel very well, but they're in your city. They're everywhere. We joke about this being called America's team, but it's called that for a reason. It has marketed itself well. This is the most valuable franchise in the National Football League, and fans are everywhere. I Half my cousin's we're Dallas fans. And that's not just because they just like the Cowboys growing up because of the 90s or whatever. Like they my my uncle was lived in Dallas for a long time growing up. But again, Cowboys fans are everywhere. It's a very for it, it is a team that has a cultural touchstone. It's like being surprised people are Lakers fans in like Omaha. You shouldn't be surprised. They're there. The other point I want to make to this is that I'm going to go back again to a quote from a former Detroit bad boy and former Pistons general manager, Joe Dumars, who I talked with a while back and uh, he told me, and this is, this is very indicative of Detroit sports in general, because this is where I'm, the reason why I'm pushing back on this is because I've seen some beat writers and media and other people talking about, this was a bad look for the lions. This was And I mean, maybe for the organization itself, but yeah. And but like some people were were pinning it not on the organization, but on the fans, saying, you know, these are bad fans not showing up to, you know, a game when the Lions are coming in three, five, and one without Matt Stafford starting. Um, First off, before I even get into the point of Joe Dumars, it's expensive to go to a game now, man. But I know Jeremy, you've got a point of that, so I'm not going to step on your toes. I'll let you handle that in a second. Um, The point from Joe Dumars that he told me was. When he was talking about how do you, how do you you know why he tried as hard as he did just to get people to come to Pistons games, it's like look, man, Detroit people love sports. They love sports, but it's also a very crowded market. We have four professional sports teams. We have two universities with both go- with good programs in both football and basketball. Usually good, Jeremy. Don't you start throwing shade at Sparty? I know. Don't don't be be a be a, be, a, be a nice winner this weekend. Be be a nice no. winner. No, no. Okay, no. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, besides, even football and basketball, like, there's been some other good college sports, both Michigan and Michigan State, and you know, and nowadays you're also looking at you know Detroit City FC. I know that's a big growing contingent for people who are disillusioned with other sports. Uh, you know, how many times has pro wrestling come to town? My point is is that if you are not winning, there are other places for Detroit sports fans to go rather than spend their their weekend with you. Coming up here on Thanksgiving week, you will have the Lions on Thursday, the Pistons on Friday, and Michigan against Ohio State on a Saturday. You cannot find many more places in the United States that has that kind of variety of sports. There are plenty of towns where there are four professional sports teams, but to have that vicinity also two great universities as well changes the whole dynamic man you can have a whole sports calendar of just detroit sports it is a loaded loaded buffet and on a buffet sometimes you have to make choices about what's not going to go onto the plate and if you are just some crackers and cheese you guess what sometimes they're not going to take you they'll go they'll go to the omelet station instead and right now the lions are that crackers and cheese (laughs) like i'm sorry I don't think, and I think that's good. I don't think sports fans should, in Detroit, should be un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They they should just be uncritically coming and cheering their butts off. You, you, the point, because the point Joe was eventually making is you have to earn it, man. You have to put out a good product and it's a product in the day. You have to put out something either entertaining or winning or both. And right now, the Detroit Lions are neither, especially when Matt Stafford's not on the field. And then, of course, is the economic side. Jeremy, uh, were you setting it up or was it John? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I, I can I can jump in real quick. And yeah,
1: the, the one thing that I think a moment like this brings out is like the true fan definer, right? The guy who's like, you're not a true fan unless you do this and this and this and this and this. The and this fan this.
0: pleaser, man. No yeah, true and, Scotsman, no true Lions fan.
1: And here's the thing, like fans come in all different varieties and they, they're fine how they are. If you're an SOLer or if you're a hool drinker, drinker, if you're a guy who checks out when the team is bad because yeah, it listen, stresses you out on Sundays and you want to yeah. do something productive with your day instead of literally go through a bunch of stress, that makes sense. It's literally better for your both physical and mental health. So when I see, you know, I had a bunch of people tell me either through the comment section or, or Twitter or whatever say that like, listen, with Matthew Stafford gone on this team and playoffs out of the picture, this team is not going to be fun and entertaining for me, so I'm not going to watch. And I, I'm not here to judge someone like yeah. that. I understand that. It sucks for me personally or it sucks for me professionally because that means there's less people in Twitch watching us right now. It means there's probably less people listening to us right now, less hits on our website, whatever. I understand it though. I get it. If I, I mean, I checked out on Michigan football earlier this season because they were playing bad. And so the fact that people sold their seats, the fact that people probably found Cowboys fans are like, oh my God, they're coming into town and they get to play the Lions defense this week. Holy crap. I will pay a hundred dollars for that ticket. I would say, take my money. Go for it, dude. Tickets are investments
0: now. Tickets are investments now. If you can make money off of it, like game day is expensive now, man factor in park and not just the ticket factor in parking food for the kids like you're taking a family like i get it man and like yeah. i think we fear the bandwagon so much people always sneer about the bandwagon it's like oh you weren't watching this team when it was bad in 2015 how dare you i was around the whole time if it makes you feel better as a fan by all means do it but don't judge people who just don't right. want to spend used, their sunday yes. sometimes like and when the a team's all lost Badge of honor
1: too is like I I've been with this team through like, oh and I sixteen no, I get to celebrate harder <laughs> when they win. It's just like
0: no, it's it's it great make if you. Really. It's no, great it if you've been sticking around since like oh uh-huh. eight and longer. It's great. It's fantastic. What? But the reality is the way most people consume sports is not like that. It's it is. I'm going to come around when it's fun and good. That's it. Yeah.
2: Well, another thing to consider is look at the state of the NFL right now. Like Lions, they usually play at a uh, one Eastern, right? Look at some of the other teams that are playing. Like I haven't watched Baltimore Ravens game for a while because usually that's the same time as the lions. And like, that's such an exciting team to watch. And we saw the same thing with the chiefs earlier. And, you know, even the Patriots, whatever, name your team. There are a lot more entertaining and exciting teams. And in the end, that's what pro sports comes down to. It's about entertainment. If you're bored or it's a extremely agonizing thing to do, why are you doing it? And like I'm not saying Lions football is like absolutely unbearable. We had some worst games last year. Obviously we've gone through worse losing seasons in the past, but in the end, I want to have fun watching it. And if people, you know, they're not getting that and they want to check out and go to another game or whatever, I understand it. Makes sense. I don't blame them.
0: Yeah, and and I, I think Here's the thing, like, I think it's embarrassing for the Lions. I don't think it's embarrassing for Lions fans. But we all, I also get it. Like, again, Detroit fans, you should know this. You're Red Wings fans. You're going out, like, most of you are probably Red Wings fans. And how many years has it been where, hey, the Red Wings are on the road in Anaheim or they're in the road in Nashville and it's the Red Wings are buying out the stadium? Like, it was so bad, like, Nashville, I think, had to put in some policies to keep out Pred Wings fans, they called them. <laughs> like but that that's a that's a real thing that happens and i'm not saying i'm not saying the lions have to institute a policy to make sure that that opposing fans don't get in because that would result in some pretty empty buildings but i think where it is embarrassing is that it is indicative of basically it's the joe dumars point you haven't built a winner you haven't built something entertaining right now it's not fun for people to come to games It's not something that they want to do. You can make it as a, I mean, it doesn't, they don't even need to win. Like it could be just a party like the Bills do or something like just whatever reason or not, people just have decided it's not worth their time to come to a Lions game in the middle of November. And that there's eight different reasons for that. I'm not singling to one different reason. I'm just saying like, if your job is to sell this team to people, it's not happening right now.
1: The the one thing I want to say real quick is that I don't even think it's embarrassing for Detroit. Like m- maybe this is a manifestation of of the embarrassment that is the Detroit Lions right now. Like this it's, is- it's a
0: mild embarrassment. I'm not saying it's the Chargers every like, week. Like the Chargers every week being a away team in their own building. But That's I just an think like, yeah yeah I just,
1: right and and I just think like this is this is like a an emblem or a a, a totem of of how embarrassing the franchise is right now. It's like. Do people really care that the Cowboys were chanting, or do they care that the fact that this team hasn't won a playoff game is won one playoff game in the past fifty years? Which one is more embarrassing, do you think? That that a bunch of Cowboys fans came to one game and and said defense a couple times? Or the fact that this team hasn't won the NFC North since it's been called the NFC North? Like, yeah. This is just like one of those things and and we're falling for it right now by talking about it, where it's just like it's this one very Picturesque thing where you can throw out there and people can see and like, ooh, here's how embarrassing the lines are. The the Cowboys went and and made it a home field game for them. It's like, listen, well, okay, how many the the the, yeah. the baseline problem here is not that there are Cowboys fans in the stands. The baseline problem is that this team is not competitive in November, and for a second straight year, the lines are wasting a year of, of some very talented players on their roster for a non-playoffs. Season. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, all's fair in love and war, because I know there's been some times in the past, like I remember that Chargers game you went to. When, when was that? 16? Something like that. Where, you know, the Chargers get laughed out of the building and Lions fans are there going, let's go Lions at the end. It happens. It's, it happens in sports. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what. They, it, they lost in, in Los Angeles San Diego no, there. Where, where was it then? Where was it then? Um, Whatever, my memory is bad. People, do this. <laughs> uh, all I'll say, all I'll say to close out this segment is that uh, I'm pretty sure that there's not going to be a bunch of traveling Buccaneer, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans coming up saying "Let's go, Bucks!" Right? At, then you're it, just dealing with empty December. seats. Yeah, now yeah. it's just empty seats.
1: Yep. Yep. You'll have empty then, seats then. You'll probably, I don't. Thanksgiving should be interesting. I don't know what we're
0: going to get in Thanksgiving because Chicago's. Yeah, so I. Stafford's a right by now. then too. I think people still show up for the Thanksgiving game because that's just Probably. special yeah, sure. yeah I, but also I'm a big defender of Lions Thanksgiving because I hate everyone who says, "Oh, you should give it to a better team." No, that's our tradition, you're not taking it. we'll get in
1: a fight about that when we talk to our
0: when we when we first bite first bite it up when we first bite it up, yeah, yeah, well, I think we are actually, normally we don't do a second first bite in the year for the same team, but I think we're we're doing some fun stuff Oh, this we're year, doing so. it. We're doing it live.
1: All and right. You guys want it or not.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break here. More, more fun times with Twitch chat. And then when we come back, hashtag ask O D, we're going to open up a mailbag. It's been a minute since I was here for a mailbag. We're going to do one. We're going to try to have some fun with it. Uh, we're collecting games right now. And I mean, uh, sorry, questions right now and uh, I, I really need a second to watch the Sunday night football game because the Bears just missed a second field goal <laughs> so we're, we're taking a break for that purpose right now when we come back I'm proud to Detroit POD cast first uh, God ask first POD bite. first <laughs> bite first bite hashtag ask POD oh my god my brain is fraying Time. Mail time. Mail time. Oh. Mail time. The mail here. time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I want mail. mail time. AskPod. As always, get your questions in. We're always looking for good, solid questions here at Pride of Detroit. So we've got stuff all over the board here, Jeremy. Uh, We've got some stuff from hashtag ask pod We've got some stuff from Twitter. We've got some stuff from chat. So we're gonna try to sift through. I'm gonna try to sift through everything. It's uh, it's gonna be rough. But we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna make it through. We're gonna make it. Why would you at the top of the segment say it's gonna be rough? Because I want to say because I like it rough.
1: Listeners, this is gonna. Oh boy.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Ah. Now now I've got you on your back feet. Just the way your mother likes it, Trebek. Okay. All right, let's start with, uh, I've got, let's see, I had a, I had some interest, uh, let's see here, let's go with this question. Uh, Josh Harrington from Twitter asking us, if I would have told you before the season started that through nine weeks the Lions would be averaging 27.1 points per game, what would you say their record was? 3-5-1, um, and one. I'm pretty smart person.
2: <laughs> that's about 500 and that's kind of where we're at
0: yeah i'd say a little above 500 to be honest um 27 mm-hmm. points really isn't much anymore in today's nfl but still like i was shocked when i read that that's the average and i went back and did the math myself just to make sure i wasn't like seeing ghosts because it feels like the lions have not scored like that just kind of indicates though just how bad the defense has been though mm
2: mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. We've had a lot of one score games and it doesn't feel like the Lions have scored a lot of garbage time touchdowns either. Like it's just yeah, it not a lot like, of
0: pad but, Statford going on this year.
2: Yeah, the thing it feels like the Lions are like obviously there's that stat about them having a lead in every game, but it just feels like towards like the second third quarter. Yes, it slowly falls apart and then fourth quarter they scramble to get a bit, but it, like it's still close enough where it's not like a Garbage time like what Blake Bortles was known for. Yeah.
1: But here's the thing that I think you guys aren't taking into account is in the offseason, we didn't have as many questions about the defense as we did the offense. We thought the like defense them. was going to be better because of the way they finished 2018 and because the personnel on paper looks a lot better. And I mean, we were on this podcast saying if the Lions can get their shit together offensively, this team could really, really compete this year. And so if you were to tell me in in May and June this team was going to be averaging twenty-seven points per game. I would think they were at least seven and three. Honestly, hmm.
0: yeah, I just wasn't much of a believer in the defense in the in the pre in before the season, though, as you were. I think so, but I'm not going to quibble too much. Instead, My I'm going to. My go biggest
2: concern to- was, and it still is, the linebackers, and that was something that even with Jelani Tavai playing pretty well so far, mm-hmm. it's just there's there's so many weak points there. I feel like that's a unit that literally is. Fundamental to the defensive line because obviously you have get guys get to the second level, linebackers can't stop, and you get big bursts or in coverage, and they're struggling. We saw that again today. It's uh, that, that's something that did make me pause for concern, even though the defensive line was looking much better. But all right, let's wish she goes.
0: Yep, let's get on to the next question here. Um, oh man, where'd it go? Uh, let's take this question from if I can find it again. I don't know why I just suddenly nuked. My question's here we go. Uh Al Chav asking us at what point do we blame Bob Quinn for taking a tight end in the top 10? We knew Hawk wasn't going to do well in year 1. Why not take an immediate impact guy at that spot or trade back? Here's the thing, I don't I don't know. I thought I thought he could come in and have an immediate impact. I thought he could. At the same time I understand that most people would say a tight end was probably a luxury pick. I think that comes at any time you're taking someone who we qualify, Jeremy, as a quote-unquote skill position player, even though there is quite a bit of blocking that tight ends have to do. Uh, I'm trying to think back to that draft, though, and I'm trying to think who else would have been best player available at that time.
2: Ed Oliver, Brian Burns. I did a good bit of draft research, and I wasn't against the Hawkinson pick, but the thing is, Tight ends really don't shine in their rookie year, and like we've seen this this year as well with Hawkinson and even Noah Fant in uh, Denver. It's uh, you really can't expect that much from them. And the thing is, with the Lions, well, the Lions of last year, they barely used their tight ends, and we're kind of seeing that again this year. Well,
0: okay, Especially but like consider... I think the question, I think the question is less about like how does a tight end grow, and more like well, how much we no, putting this on Bob Quinn.
2: No, because my reason is that I feel like the uh, we haven't really seen enough of Hawkinson to say whether or not that was a good or bad pick because no, I agree I, there. It's just, yeah. yeah. So this I question said, is like, was, he wants
0: someone who would to take taken immediate impact.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a question because it also depends on what the Lions would have done. Cause like, as I said, I was a guy who likes someone like Brian Burns and he's been playing pretty well so far. But the question is, is that someone the Lions viewed as a fit? Right. So there are a few other options that could have got corners or something, but, it's hard to say what would be an immediate impact, when when you look at this entire team as a whole, there's been a lot of disappointment. Uh, honestly, even these rookies who are playing well, I don't think they would have finished as good.
1: All right. The answer to your question is because you don't draft for the immediate. You don't draft for immediacy. That is not how you build a football team. If you are drafting to fill immediate needs this year and not beyond, you're doing a poor job. And for all, I mean... You can throw like, oh, they should have gotten Brian Burns. The guy has four and a half sacks through 10 games. He's got a 59.2 PFF rating. Rookies aren't good. You don't draft rookies so that your team gets better in the immediate. You draft them for the long term. You draft them so that year two, year three, you have a really good player. So yeah. I'm sorry. If you're criticizing the TJ Hawkinson pick right now, you're doing it wrong. There are plenty of things to, to yell at Bob Quinn about. The drafting of TJ Hawkinson is a pick that we're going to debate three years down the line. And that'll be the appropriate time to talk about it right now. No, I'm sorry. There's yeah. not a clear pick where the lions would be, you know, six and four, or they'd be seven and three. If they had drafted this guy in the first round in 2019, no, yeah, no, no, these
0: who come in and just make an immediate down. impact. Those are rare. Those are very rare. And even are, with like, right? what's the Cardinals right now, man? Like you just can't draft Kyler Murray, throw him to the wolves and be like, all right, save us. Football doesn't work like that. It's not a long term uh development investment like say basketball or hockey where you're waiting like you know, five, seven years for these guys to hit their prime. They're only looking at waiting for a couple of years, but still, uh being a rookie of the year is harder than you think. So yeah, there's other reasons to kill Bob Quinn. There's other reasons to kill Bob Quinn, Jared Davis. Uh, maybe Taylor Decker, the he's success Tabor. of second round. Yeah, <laughs> T. Uh, the success of second one. round running backs that he's tried to draft, uh, late late round picks that have just he never really been translated. Drafting along. <laughs> and, and,
1: and Cordy, Cordy says, like, I'm just worried about the value of a tight end in the top 10. That's fine. That's that's fine. fine. Be worried about that, but let's just wait and see. Let's not bury it first, and let's not say let's not pretend like some other top ten pick would
0: have changed this franchise around right away. People forget to like. like, Yeah, people forget to how well graded Hawkinson was going into that draft as well. I get it. He's going Mm -hmm. to Iowa. Iowa. I've heard some people say, "Oh, Iowa tight ends. They don't really catch a lot of balls." But at the George same Kittle. time, like, people, people in the NFL scouting saw a lot from Hawkinson that they liked. He was the best-rated tight end in that draft. So, Lions thought they were getting George yeah. Kittle, well, and maybe another, they do.
2: Another thing <laughs> is, look at how he performed in the Cardinals game. We were so excited. We we're like, wow, this is a rookie's uh, you know, turning on the Jets. He's yep. doing what we all dreamed he would. And he hasn't really reached those levels yet, but there's, okay. there's the promise.
0: Next question here is from Ghost Robo. Uh, shout out to Ghost Robo. What are the odds Pasqualoni gets axed? The offense is thriving under bevel. the defense is abysmal if nine and seven wasn't good enough for Caldwell to be retained uh, worse than the else should be plenty to cost Pasqualoni his job, right? So I think this gets back into the question we were having earlier in the podcast, Jeremy about you know does Pasqualoni become a bit of a scapegoat here? How much you place on Pasqualoni or is it up to the head coach who has you know always said he's the defensive mind? So some people are saying like Pasqualoni might not survive to the end of the season. I don't know.
1: There's, there's really no reason for, I think for the the lines to make a mid season replacement other than to appease fans. And I don't think that's, that's a short term goal that I don't think Matt Patricia has any interest in, in doing. Um, because if you appease the fans by firing Paul Pasqualoni, and then nothing improves the the next week, then you appease them for a good 72 hours. You're
0: next. Right.
1: And, and so, this is kind of uncharted territories. We don't, I, I'd love to give you a straight answer and be accurate with it, but we haven't seen Matt Patricia fire one of his own coaches. We saw him, you know, can the offensive coordinator last year, but that wasn't his hire. So, I I mean, I think he likes Paul Pasqualoni. He's defended him in the media, but of course he would, he wouldn't throw one of them under the bus. Uh, so I don't, I honestly don't know, but this is, this is a first for Matt Patricia kind of having to face, um, his own hires, his own coaches. And is he willing to fire a guy after a couple of years and, and, and turn things around? I don't know, but I do believe that Paul Pas I mean, Paul Pascal only's job is to do what Matt Patricia wants him to do. And whether he's doing that or not, I, I can't tell you, but I think, I think this defense looks kind of, other than, you know, the success of it in terms of like the basic format of the defense and what they're doing. I think that's what Matt Patricia wants. So, if he wants to throw out a scapegoat there and fire past colony, sure, whatever it'll buy him maybe another year. But, mm. um, I, I can't tell you the likelihood of it because I, we've never seen it happen. I don't know. All
0: right. Next question here is from Alec. Uh, actually I'm going to take this. I'm going to take Alec's question here in a second, but I want to step back and have some fun. Uh, the Detroit lion in Twitch chat asking me, we were talking about the Mandalorian here during, uh, during one of the breaks. But, and he, uh, I, I, mentioned that I like Star Trek more than Star Wars. And he asked me, what is my favorite deep space nine episode? So for those who don't know, deep space nine is my favorite series of the Star Trek series. Uh, next generation has some great episodes. I'm a beyond excited for Picard. I think that crew in next generation, absolutely worth having all their movies. Uh, very awesome. When, Next Generation shines, it shines, but I think Deep Space Nine is like, nothing compares to it. It was, it leaned into the future of television when it comes to just like long storylines. And at the same time, everything was very charming. I love it. Uh, I don't have a clear answer though for this question because there's so many good episodes and unlike with, like you can make an easy top 10, I feel like of best Next Generation episodes. Because again, when Next Generation shines, you know it you know it when you've got like Dalek, uh, Dalek and Jamal, I can't say the names, Uh, but either way, yeah, like episodes like that, when Next Generation shines, you know which ones shine. Uh, Deep Space Nine, there's some great episodes, but there's a lot of good filler stuff too. I would say my three favorite, um, I mean, In the Pale Moonlight is probably one of the easy answers to make. Uh, I would also think either, I would also think, Paradise, the the one-two punch of Paradise Lost and Homefront is really good as well. When the show really shines is when it starts to, like punch a hole in like the idea of like utopia. That's also why I liked the Maquis series a lot too. But that's not one of my favorites. I just like Cisco's monologue there. I'm sorry for everyone tuning out because I'm having a nerd fest. Uh, and then I'll also add in my favorite kind of throwaway episode where it's just funny and silly. Uh, our man Bashir is great. Really, I I could watch any any episode with with uh Bashir and and um oh why am I blanking on his name? I'm going to have to butcher this later just to get rid of my silence. Uh I'm 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 dying here. I'm sorry. Uh the t- Taylor, the Taylor screw it. Why am I blanking? Why am I blanking. Um I have to. I have to butcher this. E- 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 either way. Either way, I'm. I'm. I'm losing my mind right now. Uh, Garrick. Garrick. Why did it take me forever to remember that? Um, I. I'm so sorry to people who have to listen to this on a podcast. Any episode with <laughs> with Bashir and Garrick is great. And honestly, I'm gonna keep doing this again. Like, watch some of this old TV, man. Watch it because like, there's so much crap out there that just gets mass produced now. That, um It's fine, but I like some of the classics. I like when people really. Leaned into loving acting. So, anyway, uh, I'm sorry for that little brain fart. I'm sorry that you had to witness me turning into a 60 year old man when I'm just barely in my 30s. And uh, I feel like this has destroyed the entire episode. And this has gone from a five star podcast to a one star because of what I just did. So, we're going to take I this feel, question. I
1: feel, like, I feel like Twitch chat maybe had something more that they enjoyed during the whole segment. So, it's fine. What'd you do? Nothing.
0: Nothing I, don't have, I don't have Twitch app up. What did you do? Oh, I know. we'll never know. I guess if, if you're listening on the
1: podcast, can, the
0: just,
1: <laughs> just going to have to watch next time for some extra entertainment.
0: Extra entertainment, he says. Yeah, I don't see it. You, you've taken it away, you bastard. All right, uh, Alex Siegel asking us, do we want Stafford to just go on the injured reserve? No. Not. Okay, we we should revisit this question. Stop yep. doing yep. that! I saw what you were doing <laughs> now, and now, and now, like you're you're interfering with my audio. So no. <laughs> now I'm going to be mean. My brain farts aside, now you're just like being silent because you want to dance for the camera.
1: <laughs> no, but we should we should talk about this Stafford IR and and revisit yeah. it mm-hmm. in, in so the late nostalgic. of new news that uh, his injury was probably a little more serious than what the Twitter doctors were saying. Um, basically saying that it, it's a six-week injury. It's not the transverse injury. It's something that could potentially be more serious. We don't. Yeah, really I know, know. I
0: know. Um, who was a Dave Burkett was saying it might be like the Tony Romo injury, but it's he's not saying it's the same as the Tony Romo injury. I know it caused right. a little bit of confusion.
1: Right, and so we have to we have to wait until you know full diagnosis out, and and we also have to remember that. Only the only diagnosis we're getting are from sources. They're not from the team. They're not from team doctors. They're sources, and they're, there's always a little bit of danger in that, um, because for the past seven days, we've been under the assumption it was a transverse injury, and, and that's not as serious. That's something that Matthew Stafford played through last year. Um, so now it's a little bit more serious. Um, the Lions are even further out of a playoff race, so anyone who had any sort of dreams of a 10-5-1 Lions team making the playoffs, well, now their stealing is nine, six, and one, and that's not. I mean, even if it were to happen, there's, they aren't making the playoffs. When I think the the second wild card team right now is an eight and three Minnesota Vikings team. So um, yeah, if yeah. they
2: were in the AFC, there'd be a slight chance. But even then, the NFC is yeah. super competitive. Someone actually tweeted out earlier today that uh, there were five teams with I think it was more than eight wins at this
1: point. Right,
2: it's something and, like, that's ridiculous. impressive.
1: Yeah, so the Lions are not making the playoffs. We can all agree with that. Um, Matthew Stafford's injury is more more severe than we thought. If the six-week injury thing is correct and Matthew Stafford isn't superhuman and and ready in two weeks, ready before Thanksgiving or anything like that, I think you put him on IR. Now, the Lions haven't done so yet, which to me shows a sign maybe it isn't a six-week injury, or at least maybe they don't expect Matthew Stafford to be sidelined for that long, or maybe they just value him being there on the team Maybe they just value him him taking up a roster spot so that he can be there at practice, so he can be there on the sidelines. And I mean, what does that extra roster spot really do for this team anyways at this point? So Mm -hmm. um, in in terms of that, I would say I'm fine with keeping him on the roster, even if he's inactive for the rest of the year. Um, I'm I'm also perfectly fine with them putting him on IR and and keeping him inactive the rest of the year if this injury is that serious. Um, Because I just think at this point, since it's a more serious injury, yeah, give him that rest. Yeah, give Driscoll the extra time, um, and, and kind of let things roll through there. I think it's a different situation than when we talked about it last week.
0: All right. Now people are kind of in Twitch chat or joking on me. I see Honolulu Blue 1320. Could the Lions could the Lions win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. in the Star Trek universe? How far place- is the
2: Star Trek universe ahead from our current
0: timeline? quite a bit quite a bit i think by now we'd be in world war three in the star trek universe uh i mean well, the, Hol- well, the lines have won by then hmm. well it wouldn't <laughs> be an nfl but i'm sure in the Deck you could arrange it's basically like playing madden you could just arrange whatever you want be like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sequel,
2: it's the sequel to the kobayashi maru it's the detroit lions super bowl can't happen oh can't my win.
1: god <laughs> Do kobayashi maru references in like three weeks on this podcast that's impressive
0: Really? What o- been- what other lions Who's podcast the other person is doing did that? that? I remember I that. I We are the leader. We are the leader in Wrath of Khan references. Reference. We are we are the leader in Wrath of Khan references to the, Detroit the Lions. I'm the nerd. It's nerd. me. Nerd. The, 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 tur- the twist of this
1: whole podcast is that I was the nerd the entire time. It was me, wow, Austin. Was like, oh, it was me all
0: along. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, lifetime Lions fan. Not really much of a question but I like this as a mental exercise. He says, I wish we would have taken Warren Moon instead of Scott Mitchell.
1: <laughs> hmm. We're I'm still actually gonna second say, questioning drafts from 30 say, years ago.
0: <laughs> Warren Moon's time in
2: the CFL really helped oh him god, oh. there, there, <laughs> there was definitely a lot of racism at the time, and that's one reason why he didn't stick in the NFL at first. But he learned a lot in in the CFL.
0: I want don't people at home listening to the podcast to realize both me and Jeremy fell back into our chairs as soon as John invoked the uh, the CFL angle for Warren Moon, don't one of the greatest quarterbacks to play in the National Football League and CFL and CFL. All right, hello uh, Cameron
2: Wake, who's CFL star?
0: Oh my God, cheese father, two forty. Interesting but difficult question, and uh, he he mentions that he's very high right now. Burger King or KFC or Big Mac, extra cheese, s- extra Trellick sauce, extra bacon. I don't know what Trellick sauce is. I'm assuming he's trying to say whatever s- special sauce, maybe. I really, but was,
2: was this on Twitter or on? This was in Twitch, Twitch chat. I need find very, this. I can't, That was a complicated list.
1: Um, to me, in general, and. I don't think I can think of any real counterexamples. Fast food chicken is better than fast food
0: burgers. Yes. W- without without reservation ever I don't think I've gone to a fast food place that has a bad chicken sandwich. Like they're not great in some places like I don't think Burger King's chicken sandwiches are that great but I still like them better than the burgers. And I to me to to make sure I'm
1: being clear here I'm talking about fast food restaurants that are chicken based like taco oh okay bell chicken is dangerous do not yeah. get taco bell yeah, chicken do, do not get del taco chicken
0: please if there's but one some thing burger have good chicken sandwiches, podcast, but yeah
1: do not get taco chicken
0: okay please okay, okay. But, like, but you're saying like kfc churches, KFC churches popeyes yes. no i yeah. will agree with you there those places are good and like even if you're going to kfc and get one of those disgusting bowls or whatever that's still a better option than a burger sometimes i agree so for yeah, I biggest, think the answer here is KFC.
2: For me, the biggest thing is that I don't make fried chicken at home, so I'd much rather have that. Whereas I can make a, a nice burger in my own kitchen. Yeah, I don't need to go. Yeah, after exactly.
0: That. There you go. I like there that, you man. go. How about that, <sighs> Bossy Paul? How many wedgies do you think Jeremy got as a child? My guess is seventeen. I I'll just say this. That's a good over under. It's good over under. <laughs> i'm gonna take the uh i'll take the over i'll take the underwear uh, you're gonna lose your mic again man all right <laughs> he's jumping up and running around um i don't have much else here uh let's see i got some stats on george kittle oh here we go Cordy aaron um deshaun McVit. since this is movember does Sean McVay have the weakest beard game of all the NFL head coaches? And if not, who does? Hmm. I haven't seen Sean McVay's beard. Is he, is he trying uh. to grow a beard? I don't know. I feel like I have to pull it up on Twitch now. Sean I want to ask, because Mc- I, like, I think it's pretty weak, but I think a better question is, do you think a guy like John Harbaugh is incapable of growing a beard? Because I think that answer is yes. Have you ever seen him with a beard? I haven't. I don't know, I don't like even think John, I've seen him with stubble. Hmm. John Harbaugh. Paul McFay's just like nine o'clock shadow kind
1: of guy. Is that Does what he ever get him? a
0: beard? I've no. never even seen him. I, I've never seen him even know. with a little bit of stubble, man. Yeah, no. He, oh, no, I see, I I think I think see him he with some really like fuzz. Yeah. He, gets, he gets fuzz every now and then, but I don't think he's ever, like, and the fuzz is classy. I don't think he can grow anything more than fuzz is what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: I think Jim Caldwell cool. probably had one of the weakest. He could only ever get that mustache.
0: But it was a, a good mustache.
2: mustache. Yeah, but it's just a mustache. Back to the
0: mustache.
1: Hmm. I I feel like I don't know what enough head coaches look like off the top of my head.
0: If he was still in the league, so, I'd say Chip Kelly is winning this for like worst facial uh-huh. hair game, but he's not.
1: Did he Jeff Fisher
0: ever have a beard? I know he had a Oh, stache. Yeah, no 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 no. Jeff Jeff had a great, great beard. Yeah. It's like the only thing he did right.
2: I mean he was good for getting close to five hundred.
1: we've seen seen bill belichick
0: with facial hair right a good answer
1: but matt Nagy looks like those magnetic guys that are bald and you like you put the the metal shavings on his face to create
0: facial hair he looks he looks like a candidate (laughs) for the bosley hair system
2: (laughs) oddly specific but i like it
0: yeah i could see it yeah and with that, we're gonna end the podcast right there. Thanks for download the podcast. Give us five stars. See you star side.